Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. My Dice Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, as always, the focus to my lens. Mr. Robert Lundgren, how you doing, buddy? Hello, hello. Uh, good? Question mark? Why? Question mark? I, we were talking about it. I, we're getting the kids out of the cribs, and uh, it's rough. <laughs> it's a transition, man. It's true. Yeah. We had tornadoes last night, so I kind of understand. I don't see how one of those has anything to do with the other. Hey, man, I know what two little toddler boys are like. You have a point. <laughs> it's a thing. It's, toddlers are a thing, man. Toddlers are a thing. It seems like we have just two days that are frustrating, and I'm like, we should just get the cribs back together. I don't want to deal with this. It's twins, man. Why are we making things hard on ourselves with twins? And then, and then we'll have like one good day, and I'm like, maybe, maybe things will be fine. You know, maybe this will work out. And like, it is because like we're we're just coming. I, I'm assuming tomorrow will be a good day. Please let tomorrow be a good day. But like, the bad days are getting less bad as we go on. It's like anything. You just got to give it time. You got to give it. Yeah. And I really want to go camping this summer, but we can't go camping with cribs that are even pack and plays. They're, they're way too big for them. They'd have to sleep in them like sideways on like the hypotenuse because they would be way too, that especially Barry camping anymore. Well, and Barry, man, Barry, Barry's a big kid. He's like off the charts on everything except for head size. His brother's doing that for him. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I remember when you were so terrified he had meningitis, not meningitis, uh, hydrocephala, hydrocephala. Yeah, whatever. Just pick a disease. I told you you were crazy. I wasn't concerned about it. You know how it is? It's like they're getting tested and intellectually, you know, you know, it's like they don't have any of the signs. It's just routine just in case you, you just want to be very thorough. And I understand that. But then there's that little paranoid part of you that's like saying like, hey, hey, Robert, what if he really does have it? Huh? Wouldn't that suck? And you're like, you're like, uh, yeah. When uh, when Jessica was pregnant and we were getting ready to to have Amelia, there was a part of me that was like, what if she dies in childbirth? Then you'll be a single father. Oh my God, you're a single father. You're a single father of five. Also, everyone that you love is going to die. Oh yeah, I had that too. I had that too. And it's like, what are the odds? They're really low. They're yeah, really low. Yeah, but it doesn't low. matter. If it happened to one person, it, it, it's going to happen to you. That's that's the way your brain starts treating it. Yeah, exactly. That, that my friends, is called anxiety. And what happens when the anxiety fairy comes and bops you on the head with the little fairy dust of anxiety? That's when you get some nice Oregon edibles and you just shoo that fairy away and watch Mystery Science Theater and laugh. That fairy doesn't come to Texas. <laughs> oh, anxiety fairy comes to Texas. You don't get the you don't get Oregon edibles. Not that I do that because I think it's a federal crime still. So no, no, we don't do that. I thought it was legal there. It's state legal. It's still a federal crime. So on a recording that will go out to the world, I do not do anything like that. And you should not either. Wink. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you're the worst Sesame Street character ever. (laughs) Hey, kids. (laughs) 
<laughs> federal crimes. Hey, kids, don't admit on the internet that you've committed a federal crime. Just say that. Never put anything in text that people can read. Always say it verbally. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, just the just the worst, just the just the absolute worst Sesame Street character ever. Hey kids, allow me to teach you today about dead drops, a spy's best friend. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey kids, huh? Do you know what about suppressors? Ha <laughs> ha. So, uh, listeners, I'd like to apologize. Jonathan has admitted to me he has a headache, so he's a little out of it. And I am transitioning the boys, so my sleep schedule's a little wacky right now. We're a hot mess, is basically what you're saying. So, pretty much, it's, it's going to be a uh, par for the course. Have, have we ever not been a hot mess? Have we been a hot mess? That's why I said par hot... for the course. Par for the course. Yeah. But, like, the last time we were both on our game is, like, pre-Amelia, right? Uh, it might be pre... Well, were we recording pre-boys? Yeah, we were recording pre-boys. It might be pre-boys. No, no, we had like no, no, no. That it, I had the boys by episode three. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's been a minute. <laughs> no, but we were a hot mess because we were an experience. Okay, yeah, you're right. It's the whole thing. Jonathan, <laughs> move on with the podcast. <laughs> There's nothing to see here, people. Just move on. Just move on. <laughs> Where the hell are we even on the notes at this point? Well, Jonathan, we'd like to begin this episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast by giving a big old thank you to our we patrons over made at Patreon. It the first bullet point. That's where we are on our notes. <laughs> you help us keep the lights on and keep the jokes and the edibles flowing. And uh, we just like to give you a big old shout out and thanks. Thank you, patrons. I'll be your host today, Robert Lundgren. With me, of course, is my co-host, no, the so Focus to My Lens. Notes. Now you're going backwards. You, you, you're done goofed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, you may have noticed we took a week off. Yeah, last, if, you think, if you think we're a hot mess now, last week was a hot mess central. <laughs> Agreed. Also, oh, you know what, though? Uh, the national days last week were much better than the national day today. I, I'm sad to say. I was going to tell you guys all about Loving Day. However, if you're hearing about this, um, you probably already saw it because I've, I've posted something over to the Facebook group beyond the bounds of time and space. But uh, yes, last Wednesday was Loving Day. And uh, I don't know, read about it on our Facebook group, which is, I guess, a good segue to like go to our Facebook group because I post things about Loving Day there. It happened Wednesday, which oddly enough is in the future for us, but in the past for you, because I scheduled that post. I wrote it today behind the scenes here. You can schedule Facebook posts. If you own a group, it's cool. So I wrote it today and told it to, when does it go live? I want to say seven fifty-eight because I wrote it because <laughs> I wrote it at like 11 58. I'm like, ah, seven o'clock in the morning's fine. You're just rambling at this point. <laughs> Shut up, Jonathan. <laughs> We have a lot of bullet points to get through, and you were not helping. I, no, 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 no. So we are eight minutes in, and I just did two bullet points in the last two minutes, and we were six minutes with your hosting. I'm steering the ship. You are without a rudder, sir. Should I just hit the mute button and just sit here and nod? Yeah, you should. That That's pretty much what I do half the time. <laughs> That's your interview style. What are you talking about? That is my interview style. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, hey, we have articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My buddy, my buddy Wes. Hi, Wes. How you doing, Wes? Uh, he wanted to write articles about backstory because Wes loves him the backstory. And I should have mentioned this last time because one of them went live before the last episode aired. But I was going to do it in the future. And, and yeah, you know how it is. We like record and I forget. I'm like, oh, I'll talk about it next time. And it's like, wait a minute. Next time will be way after the the articles come out i'm smart but yes uh 
He wrote two articles over on the website about why you should put groovy backstories into your D&D games. And it sounds like he wants to do more. Wes has got the writing bug and, and he's like, can I post it on your public space? And I'm like, man, I'm paying for this. Post away. I'll find pictures. It'll be great. I enjoy it. So yes, we have articles again. How fun. Isn't it cool, Jonathan? You like articles? I'm a fan of articles. There you go. So go read those articles, people. They're quite, quite good. I enjoyed reading them both, especially because they talked about a Star Wars game I ran, which I'm very proud of. We could talk about that someday. We could talk about the clone game. It was good times. (laughs) And we are, of course, going to have a slightly different than normal structure today. Instead of having news, we're not going to do news today. And instead, we're going to be doing a really, really deep dive into a system called Microscope. You could almost say that we're putting a microscope to it. So, yeah, no news today. We're just going to talk about microscope. So, moving right along, let's talk about off the shelf because uh, we're like 10 minutes into this segment. We haven't even talked about anything yet. So, (laughs) all right, let's start with books. Yes, I've I've been been reading. reading too. I forgot to put it on the list. Cool. Well, I, I read two things. So what would you like to hear about first, the uh, the genre fiction I read or the role-playing game? Just get the Veronica Mars thing out of the way, because you're obsessed right now. Oh, I wasn't going to talk about that much. Okay, fine, we'll do it first. Oh, okay. uh, so uh, Veronica Mars, um, after the movie came out, they came out with a, a, a two... I, I assume they wanted to make a novel line, but it didn't do well enough, because there are only two. Uh, but it's a continuation of the story. It's set a couple months after the end of the movie. And I read the first one, because the library had it, and the new season of Veronica Mars, drops on July 26th, so we're trying to get all of our Veronica Mars out. Uh, It was adequate. (laughs) It was Veronica Mars, but in book form. And I could see why, you know, now a positive podcast. It was great. I loved it. You should read it too if you like Veronica Mars. I will not pick it apart because there's no point. It was was fine. What did you read? Uh, Well, I'm continuing to read the utterly uninteresting and unadventurous tales of Fred the Vampire Accountant. Nice. Near the end. Nice. It's enjoyable, and the deeper you get into it, the better the writing gets. It's like he found his voice. That's good. That's good. It's uh, it's a goofy read. Like I don't know how else to describe it. It's a goofy read, but a, a fun goofy. No a title like that. That didn't say goofy at all to me, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. I know. The best part is on the cover. There's <laughs> the background of the cover is like a ledger, mm. like like an old 1800s ledger. Nice. Which nice. I just I kind of giggled at. Uh, what else you've been reading? I picked up from the library the Dungeons and Dragons Stranger Things starter set. Is it worth picking up? Because I've almost picked it up like 10 times. No, don't pick it up. You don't need it. It is what it says on the cover. And that's why it's probably not for you. I, I hear a lot of people giving it kind of bad reviews, and I see why, but I think they're sort of missing the point. I think what people wanted was like more of a clear Stranger Things tie-in or like a supplement or something. And that's not what this is. This is basically, this is for a person who likes Stranger Things, who watches and plays D&D on Stranger Things and sees the D&D Stranger Things starter set and goes like, oh, I can start playing D&D with this. That is exactly who it is for. And you have played D&D before. And you you own the 5th edition starter set. You, you just, you don't need it. I don't have the 5th edition starter set. Oh, you don't? Well, you've played 5th no, edition. I jump straight into books. It's it's an introductory product. You, you just don't need it. But if you haven't played D&D before, or if you know people who really like Stranger Things and uh, kind of like want to replicate that experience they see in the TV show, that is a good buy for it. Because the adventure, um, there's a lot of like allusions to Stranger Things, because 
it's supposed to be like a, a campaign that Mike wrote, uh, even though it's clearly not. <laughs> but, um, you know, because part of the adventure, you do go into the Upside Down, and they talk about it like a real little bit, but they don't give you enough to go on if you've never seen Stranger Things because you just wouldn't get it, you know? And uh, there's a character in the Upside Down that's like clearly 11, but, you know, they never really spell it out loud. You know, it's just a princess you run into or something, you know? It's it, mm-hmm. it's cute, but it, it's a starter set. If you've played D&D before and you're walking in expecting something other than a starter set, you are going to be disappointed. Unless, of course, you just want the minis, but, you know, whatever. But it, it's a starter set. If, if, if you've played D&D before, you just don't need it. Well, speaking of newness, uh, I sent you a picture of the other thing I've been reading. Oh, what have you been reading? I've been reading Things from the Flood. Oh! Yeah, I read the PDF of that a while ago. <laughs> Some of us like to read for the books. Well, okay. I'm enjoying it so far. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I forgot how much I like the system, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, they're doing an Aliens RPG with the same system, and I am sorely tempted. I am very tempted. I'm very tempted. The, the only reason I have not pre-ordered it at this point is just because... The only pre-order bonus you get right now is like a PDF that has like a, a kind of a one shot in it or a short little game, a couple session game. And uh, I do not have the time to run it right now because I, I, I think I have to put my D&D game on hiatus because it's summer and it's gorgeous out and I want to go do stuff outside instead of playing D&D at night. So, yeah, that kind of sucks. I can understand that. I, I, I'm definitely going to get it. I have a kooky idea for a campaign and, and everything, which is a very long story, which I will not bore you with today because we are already pressed for time because it's been three weeks. But if you if you want to hear about it, remind me i will text it to you and maybe we'll talk about it in the podcast if it's interesting enough which it's a thought experiment about a DD game i'm gonna go with no <laughs> all right well let's uh let's see you, you've been doing an rpg but i think we're going to talk about that in the rest of the episode right yeah yeah we've been playing more microscopes so you will you will hear all about it soon all right well let's uh, jump into video games I'll go first because I've got nothing. I've been playing Overwatch. It continues to be a fun time killer because I am waiting for Dragon Quest Builders 2, which I pre-ordered! Yeah! And you know what I do every day, Jonathan? Every day. I bring up the little picture of it in my installation folder, and I just watch the countdown as the days get steadily and steadily closer to July 12th. 8 a.m. That's something to be sad about or happy about. 8 a.m. July 4th or July 8th. Are you waking July up the other day just to get ready? I'm up by 8 a.m. I might get up a little earlier just so I can get the uh, the morning stuff done so I can uh, play the game, but we will see. We will see. You know what I'm definitely doing that day? Hey, Gina, you're going to be listening to this later. I am definitely making you take A1 to Girl Scouts that day because I'm going to be playing that game all day. All day. Have fun with that. I love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's it? Just those two? I've been I've been looking at games, but it's like I already pre-ordered this nice shiny new game that's going to be out in like a month and a half, and I'm like, eh, I don't, So how I can't. did you start talking to me about the Bonkers Mortal Kombat story? Oh, oh, well, dude, I rent stuff at the library. <laughs> well, but that involves playing it. I actually haven't been playing it. Uh, my, my buddy's been playing it, the, the one who played Injustice. I've just been watching it because I'm rubbish at fighting games. I get frustrated too easily, so I've just been watching him play it and then enjoying, Are you enjoying the, story. the story. Like I told you, the story is so it is so bat shirt crazy. I can't even. But it works. I can't. I can't. But it works. I well, and the problem is I haven't played like. Um, uh, I guess we're moving on to Mortal Kombat 11. I haven't played Mortal Kombat 
9 or 10, which like rebooted the series at all. So I have like no context for anything that's going on. And it is just insanity. It, it's, it's like a bad joke. It's like, you know, a ninja, a sorcerer, uh, a cyborg and a god walk into a bar and get in a kung fu fight. Because that's that's just kind of what happens in that in that film or whatever. But there's like time travel and gods. And it's like, what is going on in this game? It's crazy. <laughs> but it's enjoyable, right? It's not it's not a bad crazy. It's a fun crazy that, that oddly totally makes sense. Yes. And I'm getting a lot of D and D ideas because moral dude, there, there are so many flavors of monks and D and D that you could build out of that game. Like, like I want to make a monk with a hat. That's a saw blade, like that one guy. And then there's that blood sorceress lady. That's red. Yeah. Kung Lao. And then what's the blood sorceress lady? Uh, I don't Uh, remember her her name. She's Scarlet. Scarlet. Yeah. Appropriate name. Yeah. The best one I saw was when she pulls some, your blood out of you and makes it into a scythe and then stabs you with it. Yeah. No, that's a cool one. That's one of the neatest things that they added to the fighting system that, uh, that it's basically a 30% attack. It's like a last ditch effort to, to even out the, uh, the, the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. Those attacks are funny. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great, have game. you seen it's, Sonya's where she basically like runs you face first into a turret? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So th- this is why this game's bad shirt insane. Okay. So, uh, the beginning of the game, I, I guess there's spoilers, but it's the beginning of the game. I don't care. You're going to see this in five minutes if you play it anyway. So Sonya and another character had a kid, uh, the, the, the Hollywood Johnny guy. Cage. Johnny Cage. Thank Cassidy you. Cassidy Cage. They had Cassidy. Right. Okay. So at the beginning of the game, Cassidy is, um, like, uh, Sonya is like, you know, addressing her troop of people who go fight in the Mortal Kombat, I guess. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, that's a thing that happens. No, 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 no. So you have to understand that the military is now involved. So the military is actively running uh, operations against Outworld. Right, right, right. So Sonia is promoting her daughter and and giving her, you know, whatever. And and she's like, but you got one less one. No nepotism there. No, no, not at all. But you got one last last test in special forces. You have to like uh, fight as as a last test. So yeah, you mom, have to fight your CO. Yeah, and so mom and daughter fight. So this is this is what happens. It's this cute thing. It's this military unit. They're like, okay, so we're gonna have a little sparring session so you can get promoted because that's what we do here. We have a to fun little death. sparring session. And so so this is how this fight. They fight, and it's Mortal Kombat. So it's gory as heck and the fight literally ends and it's perfect so uh cassidy takes her mom runs her into a turret which shoots her through the head and and she dies in a, in a, a sea of blood and then they get up and like shake hands it's like that's fun that's the type of game that is where you know just just these horrific things happen to characters and they just get up it's absolutely they just get up. i'll be the first to admit that <laughs> it's one thousand and one percent and and I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's crazy and it's fun and it makes me smile. And I got to the end of that story and I immediately played through it again because I had so much fun with it. And there's a fantastic uh, couple of twists that are just so much fun to watch. It's 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 really dumb, but it's like dumb and all it's, the right. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to defend its intelligence. The only reason I would say that it's a smart story is because somehow they managed to tie together all the previous 10 games worth of narrative and loop it together into a a, a single cohesive storyline which not exactly a fighting game strength and it makes perfect sense and it's fun and it's got a couple of really neat moments oh jonathan i'm gonna i'm gonna perfect sense 
I think you're giving a little too much credit. Okay, but within still. the context and rules of that universe. <laughs> anyway, yeah, don't, don't 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 get crazy here. Don't get crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a game where people fight each other and mangle each other in horrifically violent ways, like you know, shoving oh long God, daggers through their faces. Stupid. What are you talking about? That's the, that's what the kids do to each other. Yeah, that's right. But that's that's the world it is. It's like I can have a dagger shoved through my eye, come out the back of my head, and then have my head slammed yeah, into the ground. It off. You shake it off, and then you're just like, oh yeah, my eye's fine now. I'll, I'll shake the little sleep out of my eye later. <laughs> and everybody has anime blood because there's apparently 50 gallons of it in you. <laughs> oh, you, seen, you haven't even seen the ocean of it yet. Yeah. Uh, I, yes. I, anyway, moving on, moving on. Uh, so I've been playing a lot of Castlevania recently. Yeah. You bought the uh, collection, the anniversary yes. collection. Yes. It comes with uh, Castlevania one, Castlevania two and Castlevania three from the NES, Castlevania four from the SNES, bloodlines from the Genesis, uh, and then a couple of Game Boy games. I think that's it. I think it's the first two Game Boy games. And, and Kid Dracula, which was never released in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Which one are you playing the most? It's kind of a tie between the SNES and the Genesis one. The SNES one plays a little bit better, and it's got those big, huge, beefy sprites, but I just liked the characters from the, the Genesis version because there's a guy with a trident. He he fights with a trident. Cool. He fights vampires with a trident. Well, yeah. They're going to have wooden stakes on the end. I mean, I see no issue with this. I'm letting you know that I'm totally on board with this plan. Make it out of silver? Yeah, you keep that vampire at bay. It wants to bite you. I, yeah, that's a good weapon. Right? <laughs> that's a fantastic vampire-killing weapon. But, yeah, you put wooden stakes on the end of it. You make it out of silver. Keep the vampires at bay. Been playing a lot of Apex Legends. It's uh, their first season of content, and you can tell that they are uh, making mistakes and learning from those mistakes because they've altered certain things in the model. And they've already announced season two, and it already fixes a lot of the complaints I had from uh, season one, which is super cool. Played some Wolfenstein Colossus. Is that the second one? This is the second one in this in the new series. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. I had to turn it off after about twenty minutes. Is it bad or violent? Uh, there is a head bobble in it that makes me extremely it makes me get a very sharp headache and feel just ever so slightly motion sick huh weird and there's no option for turning it off <laughs> and i went and googled it to see if maybe there was a way to convince the game to to not have it and uh, it turns out i'm far from the only one experiencing this <laughs> that's funny actually it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the first one kind of made me feel a little gross, but this one actually gives me a headache, because I think they must have ramped up the, the frames per second, too. And I continue to play Mortal Kombat 11, which we already talked about. Yes, we did. All right, shall we finish out with some uh, movies and TVs before hitting the board games? Yeah, sure. All right, what have you been watching? So much, Jonathan, so much. I see that. You've been busy. Yeah, I have been busy. So we watched Aquaman. I think I enjoyed it more than you, but uh, I enjoyed it like Mortal Kombat 11. It is, it is indescribable. Right? So it's not just me. Like it, it's, it's, it's. I will say this: uh, I don't think Jason Momoa can hold a movie on his own. He makes a very good sidekick. Uh, like he was fine in Justice League, you know, when he was reacting to other people and and doing his thing with other people, but he was not carrying that movie well. You think he could have just put the period after? movie <laughs> but uh, but yeah no i i mean i enjoyed it it's it's really weird and it's very loud <laughs> and it's just it, yeah but I mean, colors and sound yeah i get why people liked it so much it's, it's just it's just like a billion dollars liked it though 
I I I I can get it. I I I get it. Just the spectacle. But there's some sets on that thing that look like they were built by by like a high school putting on a play. Yeah. Like the submarine set near the beginning. Oh, I, it, I I didn't notice that. I don't know, man. I liked it. It was fun. Watched Venom in the Sony Marvel sideverse because uh, the Mobius movie is going to take place in the same continuity. So they're going to have all the Spider-Man stuff. Just, you know, no Spider-Man because he's over in uh, the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> That's not at all problematic. No. Uh, Venom was okay. The movie's got issues. I liked what Hardy did. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. It was, uh, I think Aquaman was better just because Aquaman just, just leaned into how crazy, how just, it just leaned into what it was. Where Venom, Venom was trying to be a little bit more serious and maybe it shouldn't have been. <laughs> or realistic. I don't know. Aquaman was just like, whatever. <laughs> um, finished up Altered Carbon finally after, after a brief hiatus because the, the noir was getting me down, so I had to take a break for a little bit. Uh, Altered Carbon carbon is uh it's real good uh you and i were having a pretty long conversation today about how cyberpunk has a lot of problematic elements and uh i think we both agreed that altered carbon tried to at least address that a little bit which was nice totally totally I, I don't want to give out any spoilers. It's it's worth a watch. It's only like ten episodes. The plot is a little convoluted and weird, but it's it's just an interesting sci-fi universe. I get why someone's making a role-playing game out of it, and I want to watch season two. I, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for that. And then we we canceled CBS again because we got done with the Twilight Zone. Uh, so I haven't talked about five of the episodes. So. Uh, Let's go through these in a relatively short order. Uh, there's an episode called Six Degrees of Freedom, which is about a mission to Mars, and it's kind of dark. And uh, that one was a very classic, just sort of like what a twist Twilight Zone. And uh, not very heavy-handed. wasn't really supposed to be about much of anything, I, I, or, I, or I missed it. But I liked it. It was it was true to form, classic Twilight Zone, just, just twistiness at the end. I, I, I liked it. The episode called Not All Men, which is basically toxic masculinity the episode uh that one was very (laughs) heavy-handed it was so heavy-handed and i didn't get what it was going for at the end because yeah they kind of make it seem like it's a thing and then they say it's not and it's a weird episode but it's basically about a bunch of meteorites land and they start releasing red stuff and then all the men in this town like they get really really angry and veiny and their eyes turn red and they just start like you know beating each other up and stealing crap and and uh yeah yeah, toxic masculinity. The episode, like it subverted its own point at the end, and I don't, I don't agree with like the last like two minutes of it. I just, I, 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 it kind of, it kind of undid what it was trying to say, at least in my point of view. But maybe that wasn't for me. Who knows? Uh, they did an episode called Point of Origin, which was basically. Uh, let's show you how awful detention centers are by coming up with a convoluted point or a, not a convoluted, a sci-fi way to put a white person into a uh, border detention center. And it was, it was very good. It was, it was hard to watch. I need to get CBS and just power through discovery in that. Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, season one of discovery. I did not like, uh, which we've talked about season two. They course corrected. Cause uh, yeah, they, they, they put the hope back in star trek that's all i wanted and the hope was just distilled into one man christopher pike oh, i god i would let that man be my captain 
then they did an episode called the blue scorpion which is uh it's weird uh they make this big point in the beginning about animism about you know items that have a spirit of their own and then this gun shows up that's uh, called the blue scorpion and it finds its owners and whatnot and uh that's a really good episode it's basically it's basically about gun control but it's not as heavy-handed as a lot of the episodes are which made it good because it it kind of like made its point at the end like it kind of like swung around and made its thesis statement right at the end and kind of like wrapped it up in a little bow but the whole episode is just twilight zone weirdness until they like sucker punch you with the the moral of the story at the end which was good because it wasn't heavy-handed which was nice and then the finale uh was called the blurry man which uh was a very very strange meta episode of the twilight zone because the beginning of it is uh so it, it starts seth rogan and he's like a tv writer at the beginning and he's like i figured out the story i figured out the story and he, he writes the story down about like this nuclear apocalypse and his girlfriend comes home and he's like uh, a girlfriend of mine i broke the story and as she and he's like we should go out and celebrate and she's like how are we going to go out and then he turns and he opens the window and it's a nuclear apocalypse outside and he's like no it was just a story and then it cuts to uh you know the narrator guy like doing his narrator thing and then near the end he kind of like stumbles on his words and he go and he and he starts like calling off camera to like the writer and then it like cuts to like them filming an episode of the twilight zone and he gets the writer to punch up the narrator's script and so she goes into a corner and she kind of like comes up with something to make the the script better and then uh she you know he brings it back to him and he's like oh this is good this is good so they put on like some cue cards because they got to like change it live and they, they do the beginning again with the, the oh it's the nuclear apocalypse ah and then instead of doing what she wrote uh she starts talking you know it's like you know so and so is a writer and blah 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 and, it, and he does like the narration about her being in an episode uh, her the writer of an episode of the twilight zone being in an episode of the twilight zone herself and how weird that is and uh and yeah it's just a weird meta episode it's a weird one to close out on it thought it was cleverer than it was so that, that actually i would say it's probably the weakest one of the season ouch yeah it end. i would say this all the episodes were probably like pretty solid six and sevens and that one was like a five or six you know it wasn't yeah. bad it just wasn't great <laughs> but that's it twilight zone thumbs up i'd recommend get cbs it's worth it and you can watch discovery season two also definitely worth it season one if you find yourself not digging it just cut to the last episode or two and just power on through season two because season two was very very good i watched some pretty bad tv in my day robert it's gonna take some pretty epic suck for me not to uh just to get something out of it maybe, maybe i can watch the first season now now that i know that like the hope will come back into it it was just that was what made me mad i i i, I wanted i wanted hopeful star trek and the first season does not have a lot of hope for a lot of reasons which are narrative but they 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 figure that out and course correct in the second season and well, it's good. much better i'm glad they're i'm glad they're finding their way yeah so what have you watched i took a couple plane rides and in those plane rides i occupied some of my time reading and i occupied some of my time watching movies Uh, i watched a quiet place there's a movie that's not shy about dropping the feel bomb in the first five minutes (laughs) have you seen it no it's uh yeah those first five minutes are 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 definitely a, a hint of what is to come that is a it's a very good film but it is rough to watch hmm, okay i watched thor ragnarok again i love that movie it's just goofy and silly and fun but it has just enough seriousness in it to to, to balance the books like it, it's just it's a good 
comic book movie. I don't know how else to say it. You know what's really nice about that movie? Uh, Hemsworth was talking about leaving the MCU after uh, after Endgame, but he had a good time on Ragnarok, and he had a good time on uh, Endgame as well. Yeah, because they're letting him explore the character and do stuff with him. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's like, I'm still having fun, so I, I he's like, I, I, I might do another one. <laughs> Which, or he actually said, I'll definitely do another one if they want me well, to. Well, Taika Waititi is supposed to be coming back to do another Thor movie, so there we go. Let's hope, because Ragnarok was awesome. Also, apparently, doing his shirtless scenes is really rough, because he has to, like, you know, work out a ton, and then the day they film, he has to, like, not drink for a day to get all, like, dehydrated and lean. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that just must not be fun. And finally, I watched Predator, the new one. The new one? The one that Shane Black wrote? Shane Black wrote, yeah. I've heard that's a hot mess. I'm not 100% sure that it's a good movie, but I know I had fun. Well, that's fine. That's how I felt about Aquaman. <laughs> like, I got to the end of the movie, and I'm thinking to myself, that, that, that wasn't good. But then I realized, but I'm really smiling, and I, I laughed a lot, and I had a good time. Is it a good Predator movie? Maybe? Is it a good movie? Probably not. (laughs) But is it watchable? Yeah, it kind of is. I don't know how else to put it. I know it's a really weird way to review a movie, but that's how I ended up feeling. It was just weird. All right. I'll give it a go. Like, it's got some classic Shane Black in it. It really does. Like, there's some really interesting characters, a surprisingly diverse set of characters. And they, they, they set up some interesting moments, and there's some genuinely heartfelt stuff in it. And then the rest of the movie happens. <laughs> Jonathan, hold your thoughts. Hold your thoughts. I got 10 days left on my HBO. I will, because, uh, I mean, Game of Thrones is over. Why, why bother? I, I, I will give it a go. It's on HBO right now. I will see if I can. Oh, is it? All right, good. Watch it. Watch it. I, 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 need, I need a foil to understand what I watched, because I'm not okay. 100% sure I do. Okay. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I will bounce, bounce it off of. All right, I'll see what I can do in the next 10 days because we have until the 20th all right good stuff uh by the way people by the way just gonna throw this out here again psa from us to you people are complaining there's all these streaming services how am i gonna watch all the stuff that's on the streaming services you don't have to watch everything i got done with what i wanted to watch on cbs and i turned it off and we're gonna watch hulu now for a little bit because of veronica mars and then when picard comes on we're gonna switch you know whatever just turn it off you don't have to subscribe to all of them simultaneously you can't watch everything just focus fire just focus fire okay thank you that's all i want to say i keep reading these articles where people are freaking out it's like now there's gonna be disney and blah and it's like just just focus fire just just binge it that's what it's there for okay i'm dead i'm done i'm sorry i'm sorry board games jonathan board games all right well let's talk about board games uh you have played a board game yes uh, that i have played but i think we're going to talk about it on the show later right not alone not today but i mean in general maybe maybe we could if you want to talk about it later, we can talk about it later. Uh, we won. I, I think, given that it's the rare game that you and I both get to try, I think we should. Oh, true that. I like the way you think, but we, we've got a lot of episodes in store, so we've, That's we've, okay. That's we've okay. got we've got our map for like two, three months. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. That's true. That's true. But you you played photosynthesis. Oh, that one too. Yes, yes, I did. We what will were talk you about. Talking about. I was talking about not alone. Which one's not alone? 
that's the one I was playing a board game arena with with all of our pals at the Facebook group. Oh, I didn't get a chance to play that one. I know because you suck and you should have joined us. I, it's time. It's time. I know I'm not going to be able to give it the time it deserves, so I haven't been able to join yet. But soon, soon, soon. I promise. Yeah, our, our current game of it is like falling apart because whoever the hunter is is not hunting. But uh, uh, yeah, the previous game was great. I, I, I had a lot of fun. Uh, not alone is uh, you crash on an alien planet and a beast is trying to assimilate you. I think. <laughs> Uh, from the video I watched, I'm like that's that's you. That's kind of gross. It's like thingy, but uh, yeah, you're just trying to survive, and and it's it's you should play it. We should talk about it. I want I want to get your thoughts. It's basically the hunter is just trying to figure out what the the people are going to do because the hunter knows how many locations are on the field, and they know what cards the players have played, so they have to like try to guess what they're up to. And any talk you have is supposed to be with each other in front of the hunter, so you have to like use code. And uh, I really, Brendan, I swear to you, I, I am a cheater. And I really thought hard about talking to Ray on Facebook because I could. But I want you to know, I didn't want to violate the spirit of the game. So I didn't do it. I, I held myself back. I am a cheater. I thought about it. I really thought about it, but I, I let it go. If so our victory. Connect, that doesn't make you a cheater. That just makes you human. I could see myself doing it and having weaker moments. <laughs> and that's okay, but you didn't act. You didn't act. Yeah, I could. I could. I'm telling you, I could see myself doing that, but I, I, I held myself in check. So, and that's me saying it out loud. So hopefully, hopefully, I will just never, never do that. But there you go. So what have you been playing, sir? Let's shotgun through these. A lot of stuff that you're familiar with. Um, Dale and I sat down and played some more Mansions of Madness. Uh, he picked up one of the new expansions, and uh, we got to play a mystery on an airship. It was very Scooby Doo, which makes me want them to release a Mansions of Madness that is Scooby-Doo themed. Just saying, you can send, uh, send the royalties over here after you make it Fantasy Flight. Just saying. Fantasy Flight Games, you have a good thing with Mansions of Madness. Make a role-playing game using the same principles for the love of God. Like with the app and everything? Yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah, okay, so imagine you as the GM, it's like, oh, there is a monster. It's like, I'm going to go attack the monster. So you type into the app that you're attacking the monster and whatnot, you know? But, like, the it, the dice rolling and stuff is all app-driven. You just tell the story together. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, right? That's been my prediction for, like, two years running now. That's been my prediction two years running, Jonathan, that somebody would get sense enough to do that. And, fa- and Fantasy Flight has it all right in front of them. They can just do it. Just do it. Please. Please just do it. Speaking of app-driven games, I also had a chance to play Lord of the Rings Journeys in the Middle Earth. In Middle Earth. I think you did briefly talk talked... To, you did. You said you had done it. Have you played more since then? I have played more. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Um, the... The combat's interesting. There's a deck mechanic or deck building mechanic to it. Um, I like the randomization. I like that the app is handling all the crunchy stuff. It's uh, it's it's fun. It's a uh, a little more straightforward than Mansions. Mansions has a lot more going on. There's a lot of individual decks of cards and whatnot, and this is a little more streamlined. See, they're getting closer to that role playing game, Jonathan. I like it. Now I played a couple other things that I've played before. I uh, played uh, Potion Explosion, uh, the physical version, which is always fun. Nice. Uh, played that on International Tabletop Day at a friend's house, which was kind of cool. And uh, we also played a game called Secrets. And Secrets is kind of cool. It's a hidden role game. Everybody gets a role. And you're either part of the, um, uh, the hippies, the uh, U.S., or the USSR. And it takes place in the uh, Cold War. And basically, everybody is um, 
handing out roll cards and these roll cards have different actions that happen when you hand a person the roll card and there's also different point values associated with it and the whole point is that the uh, everybody's role is hidden except from them and uh, another person and you are trying to generate a situation where your team wins unless you're the hippies in which case you want to have the least number of points possible hopefully in the negatives <laughs> that's funny so you're trying to figure out the other roles of the people at the table and you're trying to hand them cards that are going to either help them or um, or hurt them but when they get the card before they look at what's on that card they have an opportunity to either hand it back to you forcing you to play it or play it themselves so depending on who knows what piece of information or thinks they figured out what piece of information, things start to go downhill pretty quick. And the paranoia creep on this one's pretty high. You get pretty paranoid pretty quickly. (laughs) Well, if you're a hippie, that's just uh, par for the course with what they're smoking. There you go. So, um, yeah, it was a a really interesting game. I had a lot of fun with it. Cool. I liked it a lot. If if somebody handed me uh, a couple different hidden roll party games, uh, like Werewolf or this or um, any any number of the other games that are like this, I, I would reach for this one right now. This one would be number one. Cool. All right. I see Keyforge on your list. Yeah, the new uh, sets started coming out. We now have Keyforge Age of Ascension. So a buddy of mine and I got together, and we each bought uh, the starter set and a couple decks, and we played a bunch of Keyforge. How's the the new set? The new set is interesting. The pace is different. Things are slowing down a little. That's funny. That happens to magic, too. (laughs) Um, I don't know that it's a good thing or a bad thing. It just is what it is. We had an equal amount of fun. The decks are a little more technical. Like, you you need to learn them a little more. Hmm. There's some more nuance to these. Our friends over at Evil Hat sent us a copy of Channel A that I finally got a chance to sit down and try out. And it's interesting. You are a producer, and you are producing anime shows, and everybody gets a bunch of cards, and you're trying to pitch different shows to each other. And I won't say too much more other than to say that uh, the the group of us that played were laughing hysterically. We had a good time, and we were laughing. Uh, A certain knowledge of anime is required to... um, make the game function well because you have to kind of understand what the what the tropes are to, to make them funny uh, but uh, yeah I'm going to send it to you so that you get a chance to play too and I, I will save the rest of the discussion for, uh, for, for after that cool beans I can't wait this was Evil Hat's game that was on Kickstarter not all that long ago Oh, was it a Kickstarter? Yeah, yeah, they Kickstarted it. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's coming out. So it should see a, a retail release. That's why they sent it to us. We are pi- part of the hype machine, Jonathan. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I, I'll say this. We had a good time and we laughed a lot. Well, there you go. That's all you need. That's all you can ask from any game, right? Especially if it's uh, booking itself as a party game. That's right. All right. And now, Jonathan, it's time for that one last thing. Spoilerific endgame stuff. So skip forward until you hear music if you don't want to hear spoilers for Endgame. Is that enough of a warning? I think that's enough of a warning. Okay, okay, so episodes and episodes ago, uh, people, uh, uh, and people are still getting this wrong, Jonathan. This is pissing me off. They explain how Steve Rogers, for one, was able to hook up with, uh, with uh, what's-her-face and not, like, change the timeline and make, or, and not make his, uh, his, the girl he was hitting on in, in some of the later movies, like, not you. Although I think that was, I think that was her niece and not her daughter. But anyway. Uh, it was her niece. It was not her daughter. Yeah, yeah. 
regardless, the reason that happens is because Steve didn't come back. He didn't alter the timeline. Steve made a parallel universe by making that decision to to go hang out with her. That's what they say. The Ancient One spells it out because they get time travel wrong in the beginning, which is weird. I, I don't know why they have two theories on time travel. But yeah, basically, the uh, every everything that they changed in the past made an alternate universe. And even if they put the stones back and the alternate universe like slides back into the, the normal universe, because I guess that can happen, they, any changes they make are alternate universes. So Steve, when they brought Steve back to the future... Uh, he did actually come back to the future, but he hopped timelines. He didn't hop. That's how he had a shield, because it was the shield from the alternate universe, because that one got shattered. Yeah. There you go. I just want to say that. I've been, I've been waiting episodes to say that. People people don't get what happened. It's alternate universes. Is that it? That's, that's all the... That's all the... I've been wanting to talk... Spoiler? I remember I, I wanted to talk about something spoilerific, but we held it off. That's I've been dying to say that. It's alternate timelines. That was it. That's all. Well, no, but we were going to talk about... Do you, do you have any spoilers you want to talk about? Do you want to have... We haven't even discussed this with with each other i mean what isn't there to talk about i mean it was a i, I thought it was a cool ending to the whole thing like i thought it was a, an interesting way to close out the chapter and i've seen a lot of people complaining about how it's uh it's not really an ending and i disagree i think it's it's an ending to a chapter it's it's a good way to close out the the, the, the first act of a greater of a greater thing if that makes sense i mean it, it was more of an ending for the people who were kind of bowing at the door and wanting to go because Captain America didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, Stark didn't want to do it anymore. Chris Hemsworth was he- hemming and hawing, and I guess he's back in, which I guess is why his character survived. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations on living. That's also called contract renewal. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and, and let me say this. Let me say this. As, as a Husky man myself, I was not offended by Fat Thor because they, they, they made jokes Wait, about... people got offended by Fat Thor? Oh, yeah, people got offended on the internet about Fat Thor. Over what? I, I don't know. I, I didn't because they made a couple of like prods at him that he'd like, you know, has a beer gut. But I didn't think it was anything. I, I, I assure you, I hear worse. I think that the prod was lot. about his weight. I thought the prod was he was letting himself go because he was feeling sorry for himself. Yeah, I didn't get it. I, as, as a Husky man myself, I was not offended by Fat Thor in the slightest. It was actually kind of nice to see a guy with dad bod like me <laughs> and, and, you know, deal, you know, trying to deal with it. And, and I like that. I thought Fat Thor was just fine. I know Chris, it's not Chris Hemsworth though, because man, that that guy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so did they just like CG another body on him? No, no, no. He was he was just wearing a a, a, a suit. He had a, he had a prosthetic gut. Why didn't he go all Christian Bale and like gain all the weight? Because that's actually really unhealthy for you. Shocker. <laughs> Christian Bale does it all the time. I mean, he went down to like what eighty two pounds for that one movie, and then turned around and became Batman. I uh, it some people can do that, and some people can't. And you know what else yeah, I liked? I can't imagine that that was healthy for him. I was totally kidding. Like that is a terrible idea. Don't do that. Don't do that. I, you know what else I liked about Husky Thor? I mean, yeah, he was drinking a lot, but, uh, you know, they didn't show him, like, necessarily constantly eating because I can't tell you as a Husky guy how many times, especially when I go to the doctor, the doctor treats me like all I do in my spare time is eat sandwiches, you know? Yeah. And and it's like, no, dude, it's just, you know, some people, it's hard to get the weight off, and I'm one of them, and it, it sucks. It sucks, John. By the way, you know uh, Noob Master 69? No. The, the, the guy that they were playing against online? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so as it turns out, one of the, it was either a producer or a director confirmed that that's, uh, that's, that's Wang from, um, uh, Doctor Strange's order. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. 
anyway, yeah, I, I I don't know what else to say about Endgame. I mean, it was it it was uh, it was what it was. I don't get a lot of the hate. Nah, it's weird. That movie that movie's been growing on me the more I think about it because I I, I kind of was a little disappointed and then I sort of rounded the corner. The only thing I was kind of mildly irritated at, and I get it because he was gone for a long time, was that they completely dropped the 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 Hulk Black Widow plot line. And considering that Black Widow died, like I thought that that was an opportunity to do some very interesting things with Hulk. Like, just how much emotional control does Banner have? I don't know. That was an interesting conundrum to put Hulk into, smart Hulk into, I should say. And and felt like it was a pulled punch. Like, I don't know why they just dropped that entire storyline. I got issues with that entire storyline, so I'll... I, I, no, I, I got other issues with it, too. But I'm saying, if you're going to have it, then commit to it. And don't don't just, like, mysteriously snap it out of existence. I'll uh, I'll go with... I'm, I'm glad they kind of ignored it, because it, it had problems. So we should just not deal with it and move on. Yeah, but it makes for one of the funniest friggin' moments in Thor Ragnarok when... when <laughs> And Thor's like, sun's going down, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have that without the other thing. So uh, it that, totally works. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, I guess that's our game guy, spoilers. Some guy got, was getting all shitty with me about uh, uh, the Ragnarok because of that moment. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like hysterical. Of course that's what he's going to say. That's the only thing he's ever seen work. How else has Thor ever seen Hulk calm down? <laughs> like, of course he's going to try that. That makes sense. And now it's time for our year in life, except no, because we're taking another week off because we skipped a bunch of episodes in this period of time last year. So we're done. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Good talk. Good talk. All right. We'll be right back after a quick break when we start our microscope deep dive. Yeah. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up in one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain. Set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back. It is now, of course, time for our deep dive. And in tonight's deep dive, we are going to be talking about Microscope. The full name, Jonathan, is Microscope, a fractal role-playing game of epic histories by Ben Robbins, which is uh, apt. So here's the plan. Here's the plan. We're going to spend this segment talking about the rules, which are really hard to grasp. So the second segment... Um, We're going to play around, and hopefully everything should become clear. And then we'll have a little chat about what we thought. So, Jonathan, since I'm going to do most of the talking this, because I'm the one teaching it to you, this little section I have highlighted right here, read that in your best NPR voice. Want to explore an epic history of your own creation, hundreds of thousands of years long, all in an afternoon? That's Microscope. You won't play the game in chronological order. You can defy the limits of time and space, jumping backward or forward to explore the parts of history that interest you. Want to leap a thousand years in the future and see how an institution has shaped society? Want to jump back to the childhood of the king you just saw assassinated and find out what made him such a hated ruler? That's normal in Microscope. You have vast power to create and to destroy. Build beautiful, tranquil jewels of civilization and then consume them with nuclear fire. 
Zoom out to watch the majestic tide of history wash across empires. Then zoom in and explore the lives of the people who endured it. A role-playing game for two to four players. No GM, no prep. So the beginning of it, you gotta, uh, you basically you have a discussion. You choose what kind of game you want to play, and this could be the game has like a lot of broad things, like the rise and fall of an empire, or like exploring space, or blah. But yeah, you just kind of figure out a story we're going to do. I came up with this first one that we're going to play in the next segment. Uh, it's a short story idea I've had forever. I just can't break it. So we're going to break it because the game's good for that. What you do, the very, very first thing you do, Jonathan, is you create two points of history. These are what they call your bookends. And this is like your start and your finish. And you just write something down. And then you decide if the start is light or dark, if it's you know bad or good. And then you decide if the end is bad or good. And, uh, and that's kind of... It. And the, the tones don't mean much. It's just sort of to keep things in context. So we're going to throw a lot of examples out. I'm going to do Game of Thrones because people have watched it recently. Everybody kind of knows the lore of it, even if you haven't watched the show. So it'll it'll help because the Game of Thrones is about history, too. So it, it, it works. So instead of George R. R. Martin writing this, pretend this is like a game of microscope that we're making up, if that makes sense. OK, it does indeed. So the first thing you do when you start up the game is you set your palette. And this is just a discussion that you have, and it's things that you either want to see in history or you don't want to see in your history. And yeah, it's just a conversation. It's just like a laundry list of things. And you can discuss this. A lot of the game, you, you do not have that option, but this is the one that you do. So you can kind of like, you know, wheel and deal and whatnot. And if somebody makes something that they're not quite happy with, you can try to like tweak it. So if we were doing the Game of Thrones storyline, uh, we would probably have things like noble families, magic being rare, monsters and dragons are rare, that type of stuff. And the way the palette goes is you go in turns. So if you and me were playing, I would make something up and you would make something up as soon as one of us can't figure out anything they want to like not uh, you know add to the history or take away from the history as soon as one of us is like no i'm happy it finishes so uh you know if there are four of us playing and you went first and you, you say pass the other three people get to go and then it's over so every nobody will have more than like one item than anybody else you know it just but it ends when someone says pass and then you do what they call the first pass and i'm going to explain what these things mean in a second but then everybody in no particular order gets to put either a period, an event, or a scene into history, and this can be anything. And I will explain what a period and an event and a scene are in just a second, but you get to do that in the first pass. And then once you've done that, you've got your palette and you've done the first pass, then setup is complete. So then begins the rounds. When you are playing in your rounds, when uh, if I go first, I can make up a period or an event or a scene or whatever I want to do, and I get to just do it. And say, like Jonathan, in a previous round, you made up like this knightly order and you had these grand plans of something that this knightly order was going to do in our fantasy history, and I, on my turn, just wipe them out because <laughs> you don't get to object to that. Like you can, you, you can have me specify. You can say, is everybody dead? Are there survivors? Blah blah blah. You know, you can you can try to hem down like what it is I'm getting at here, you know? Um, but you don't get the opportunity to say, no, you don't get to do that to the thing I created. Like the, the history is ours and that's part of the, the creative aspect of it. You, everybody gets to sort of add to this. And sometimes if you have a plan and you're kind of like narratively liking something, somebody else can just throw a monkey wrench into it and you just sort of have to work with it. And it's fun because of that it, 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 in a weird way. The first player in a round is called the lens. And what the lens does is it, in board gaming terms, they would have the first player token essentially. Yeah. Um, and what they get to do is they get to set the focus and the focus is just something that goes, you know, that's about the round. So 
in our Game of uh, Thrones storyline here, like I might say, I might make the focus dragons, or I might make the focus like King's Landing, or just something. And basically, everybody else who takes a turn that round, they have to relate back to it in some fashion. So if like I said, um, you know, like I, if I said King's Landing, like you can have something just happen, and the backdrop is King's Landing. You know, like like these two characters get together and they talk, or you know, somebody fights a duel and they die, and it just happens in King's Landing. That's fine. Or you can do something about like King's Landing was founded here. King's Landing was destroyed by Daenerys here. You know, whatever. Um, spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> um, and the lens goes first once they create the focus and the lens gets a, a lot of power in a round because they get to create a lot of stuff. They get to create two things that have to be nested together. So a period is like a big span of history and inside periods can be events and inside of events can be scenes. And the lens gets to create like a period and an event or an event and a scene. And I will define those in just a second. And then everybody else gets to take a turn where they can create one thing. And then when it gets back to the lens, they get to do that again. So they get to kind of like bookend whatever it is they want. Uh, with stuff that they created, but then everybody else sort of gets to chime in on it. Then the person to my right gets to create what they call a legacy, and a legacy is just something that came up. So, for example, in the King's Landing scenario, say one of the things somebody makes is, you know, Ned Stark, they make an event, Ned Stark gets beheaded in King's Landing. Somebody could decide that their legacy is they want Jamie Lannister to be their legacy as a character, the Kingslayer, because now he's slain, like, you know, two pretty major characters. That's interesting to them. So what they would do is they would just write down Jamie Lannister as their legacy. And then when you pick a legacy, you just have to create another event or a scene with that person in it or with that whatever, whatever your legacy is. And then at the end of everybody else's round, everybody else gets to make a legacy. And whoever gets to do the legacy choice, they can choose your legacy or theirs or whatever's on the field and just create one more thing. And it's just to uh, add a little bit more randomness to the world. And it will make sense when we do this. I, yeah, it, this game's weird. It's kind of hard to explain unless you see it in action. So just just bear with me, people. Uh, but this will help. Trust me, this will help. And then the lens passes to the person on your left, and you just fire it up again. You know, you make a you make a new focus. The nested things you go around. Okay, so what is a period, an event, and a scene? Okay, a period is a very, very long stretch of time. It can be decades or hundreds of thousands of years. In our Game of Thrones example, the actual events of the TV series would probably be uh, a period. Uh, the Mad King Aerys Targaryen is overthrown, and the Seven Kingdoms fall into civil war, because that's basically what happens in the course of the show, although Eris dies a while before the show starts, but yeah. An event uh, are nested in periods, and these are like specific things that happen during that. So like, King Joffrey Barnathian is assassinated. That would be an event in this, you know, civil war that breaks Baratheon. out. Baratheon, sorry. It's been a while. It's been a while since I saw that. I don't know what you said. I said Baratheon. Scary. Yeah. Well, true. Yeah. <laughs> so scenes are there to answer questions questions and you can do one of two things and this is where the role-playing game part of it comes in uh there's dictated scenes where you just say something happens you just answer your own question because you don't want to deal with it uh role play scenes are where the actual role-playing game happens and these are interesting and i've actually never played them because uh, when me and gina play uh they don't work too well with two players uh that's why i'm excited because hopefully if we can i can see how i can see how but so basically what you do is 
you ask a question. So, like, for example, using going back to our Game of Thrones, did Tyrion poison King Joffrey? And you play out a scene. And so what the person who makes the scene up says, okay, these are two characters that have to be there. So uh, he would say, uh, obviously, uh, Tyrion has to be there. Uh, and maybe that's the only person he wants, right? He's like, Tyrion has to be there. And oh, maybe, I don't, who was at that trial? I can't even remember. Was it, his dad was there, right? His dad was the one doing it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So maybe he says, you know, Tyrion his and... His dad was basically accusing him. Yeah, yeah. Paul correctly. Which... Yeah. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's just roll with that. So, yeah, so what you say is, like, Tyrion has to be there and Dad has to be there. And then, but and if there are four, character, four players playing, what happens then is whoever is, say, I'm making up this scene, whoever is to, to my left uh, chooses a character first. Now, they can choose Tyrion or Tyrion's dad, or they can just make up a character whole hog, like the Hound or somebody. And it might be somebody who hasn't even appeared in the story yet. So everybody makes up characters or gets to pick a character. I have to choose last. So whatever's left, like if no one wanted to play Tyrion, then I get to play Tyrion. And then what we do is we just role play. Um, and we role play until we answer the question, you know, did Tyrion poison uh, Joffrey? And we just role play and we role play the trial. Like we set the stage that it's a trial. You know, dad's accused Tyrion of doing this. Tyrion is, you know, trying to save his bacon. But the question is, did he do it and is hiding it or did he not do it? And then we role play until we're happy that the question has been answered. And that can be just in the middle of things. Like we can just say, look, like I I'm pretty satisfied that, you know, Tyrion did not do this. He's just being falsely accused. And then we just end it. And then we answer the question. Tyrion did not poison Joffrey and that's that but it's kind of cool because you you do that on the fly and you can do it multiple times so if you have questions that come up that need like narrative answers uh, you can just do them like the example in the book is like about a kung fu monastery <laughs> and did like you know did somebody escape with the secrets of kung fu uh, I listened to a podcast uh, which was pretty interesting because they were talking about like the secret weapon that the the humans found uh, like a magical MacGuffin and uh one of the things that happened during the play of that was one of the guys made up a character who was like a slave master and that added continuity right there that the human kingdoms had slaves. And so you, you, you get a lot of like creative freedom when you're doing stuff because you can make things up and what you say goes like that is part of the history. Now it's like the human kingdoms had slaves because a slave master was there, you know, doing stuff. And yeah. so it, it's, it's really interesting the way just stuff like this happens. And then you just, uh, you just role play until you're satisfied. Oh, and that, that one, it was, it was, Happy Jack's one, but they came up with the best name of a dragon ever, which was I forget what the dragon's first name was. It was like you know, flobbly blue, the abominable. And I'm like, dude, calling a dragon the abominable because he's so ugly. That's just that's just great. I, I like that part. I like ugly dragons, <laughs> I guess. Can a dragon be ugly? I mean, like I feel like I've never seen an ugly dragon. Uh, the way they described him was he was very malformed because uh, and th and that was the fun part too. Like they they made up this dragon. He was the king of the dragons, but he was called so and so the abominable, and uh, and he was supposed to be really ugly and scarred and like his mouth was all misshapen and then they did another scene earlier in the history and one of the guys played the same dragon but he was uh, so and so the the flaming or something like that and then during the role play he got all scarred up and so they answered the question of how did he get all messed up through something that happened earlier in history but happened later in the game which is weird because you bounce around a lot in this game and well you'll, you'll see that and that's that's kind of where the that's where the game really shines because you make stuff up and then you justify it. It's a skill every GM needs to learn. Um, and it's hard to explain. You just have to sort of see it in action and it makes all the sense in the world. But then after you create anything, a period, an event or a scene, you got to decide if it's light or dark because that's important. You got to decide if it's just, you know, something good that happened or something bad that happened. So people know kind of what the vibe is about what's going on in history. Now, is that just to get a vibe or is that a system in the game? It's a system in that you're supposed to respect it. 
it, it's you're supposed to respect it. This is a very narrative story game, so there's not a lot of like actual system crunching. It's just sort of a it's a way to construct a history with rules that everybody agrees to play by, and it, there's no real game mechanics other than that. Fair enough. But that's it. You just make up, you know, you, you make a focus, you make up a legacy, and you make up periods, events, and scenes, and you just go. And it sounds really weird like I remember reading this and it was really hard to grasp but like when you see somebody do it and when you do it yourself it's really interesting and so before we do this actual play Jonathan do you have any questions before we move on no actually considering that you said it was kind of weird to get your head around it actually feels pretty straightforward i mean like I, I i get how it works like i get how you're making a world and a, his, a shared history and i like the fact that it's shared i like the that everybody's involved you know i think that's it i think that's the rules in a nutshell and you'll see it all sort of form together when, as we actually go through it in the next segment all right fair enough well now that we have our foundation let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we return we'll put this all to the test do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back from the break. As always, we are going to go into our deep dive now in our third segment, but not as always, we have a special guest. Robert, who have you brought with you? I have brought Gina, my lovely wife, because Microscope plays better with three people. Hello, everybody. Let's just get into it, because uh, Jonathan informs me that he is tired. <laughs> it's been a week. It's been a week. True, true. It's only Tuesday. It's only Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You mean Monday, because we totally recorded this all in one go. What you said. Yes. <laughs> so the first thing we need to do is we need to set up our bookends, which we're using Trello because we're playing this over time and space, which is like a card program. So Jonathan, if you look, uh, our bookends are near the end. The generational ship Ozymandias leaves Earth en route to Kepler 62F. And the end of our history is the generational ship Ozymandias arrives at Kepler 62F and finds an abandoned human colony there already. My intention for this is that we're going to discuss the history of what happened and why there's a human colony there already because that's like the mystery and the ship's not the important part so the history we're covering is how did humans beat a generational ship to a very distant star so the first thing we got to do is decide uh, if these bookends are light or dark and typically it's like one or the other but yeah is it a bad thing that they got there and things were already there or is it a good thing oh I think it's a bad yeah I'd say dark I already know why well but yeah, but we could throw off your plans. That's true. That's true. And is them leaving light? Yes. Yeah, sure. So now where we're at is if you remember from our chat about the rules earlier, we have to make our palette. Now, how we do things is we go in uh, no particular order, but we're going to start with Gina because she already wrote something down because <laughs> she's ahead of this. I put that under the palette for nay meaning you know this will not occur is the reason for leaving earth is not because its resources have been quote unquote used up 
because I hate that trope. It's stupid. So Jonathan, you can go next, and I'll, I'll write it in for you if you want. Do you want to add something to the palette? Like, so I'm a little confused here. So do you mean from a historical perspective? Because I thought the book ended up the big. No, the palette. The palette is more uh, describing what type of story you want this to be, and the rules that we set early on that we, you know, will follow. So meaning you want there certain to be some things, and then you you don't want certain things. So I put down this rule of not having the earth be used up because I don't want anyone to go there when we're playing this game. Okay. So it's kind of like, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want aliens. No aliens. Okay, perfect. Add another card. No aliens. Boom. I... I'm going to add, I want there to be cryo cryo, cryo sleep because generational ships kind of logistically are a nightmare. (laughs) Having, transporting enough people to start a new civilization is is a feat and it would require a large, large ship, but cryo sleep solves a lot of problems. All right, Gina, it's back to you. And by the way, Jonathan, we're going to go until one of us passes and then we'll finish up the round. So it started with Gina. Nobody will have more than one thing more than anybody else. So, Gina? I'm writing it down. I don't know if this is too general, but how about human colonies already exist in the solar system? The soul soul system? Do I do put soul? So, our little solar system has already been colonized when these people leave, I'm assuming? Yes. All right, Jonathan, what do you want to add to the history? The whole generational ship is spawned because uh, they can't break the faster than light conundrum so basically so no ftl no ftl not not in the beginning at least okay well i mean yeah that's the whole story is there was no ftl to begin with so yeah yeah if you say no ftl you don't want there to be ftl at all and that kind of breaks the premise because how do people get there uh okay okay so no ftl at the beginning of the story no, but what I, I'm not saying no FTO. I'm saying that the whole like reason that they're leaving is because um, specifically okay. nobody can break the FTL uh, e- equation or whatever. It's it's a puzzle that nobody can can figure out. So they said, "F it, we're going to give up and we're going to do this generational ship instead." Okay, so how about the Ozymandias can't break FTL? Yeah, no, definitely not. Never. I'll put that actually in the nays. Ozymandias can't break FTL. Okay, uh, my turn. Uh, what's oh the Kepler? Uh, that's the one that identifies planets, right? Yeah, habitable planets are easy to identify from Earth because we got that Kepler things. We got the Kepler five thousand. It's all souped up. All right, uh, back to you, Gina. You got anything? So, if I want to say cybernetics and genetic modification exists, would that be too many things? Like, should, should, do I need to pick only one? Yeah, I would pick one for now. That seems fair. Uh, Jonathan, do you agree or disagree? I agree. Dang it. You get to pick one. Okay. My, my iPad changed it to Cabernet exists. Cabernets. Jonathan? Contact with Earth is essentially nullified because of distance. Okay, so no, no FTL communications. Yeah. I'm going to go with... The FTL we're going to eventually use uh, is like hyperspace or like jumping, you know? Like like you go like, to another dimension, okay. a dimension of sight and sound. Is that okay with you, Jonathan? 
Mm. Like when they, because f- there has to be a human colony there already. So they took the long way around because they can't break the speed of light. And so they figure out, yes, we d- indeed cannot break the speed of light. We just have to like, you know, go elsewhere. I mean, like, what's your thought on the dimensionality? Is it like a plot point or is it just? I mean, it is just going to be a plot point. Uh, for me, I, I, I like jumps just because I think they're they're funny where you just sort of like Battlestar Galactica style, just pop in and out. I don't want to go all, uh, what the hell's that movie? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no event horizon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, FTL. No, no event horizon. Hyperspace. No event horizon. Okay. All right, Gina, back to you. I'll say genetic uh, manipulation is commonplace. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm going to disagree. Oh, you don't want that? Yeah, no. Ah, so was that. Well, we can talk about it because uh, what, what makes you uncomfortable about it? This, this part we can talk about. So what makes you uncomfortable about genetic manipulation? I don't know. It just seems like uh, you, not, you do not like want you don't like want morose or animal people or no. I don't want to obfuscate the the mystery. Like I, I I think it would just be things in a narrative that would bog the narrative down. Well, the the palette doesn't have to be all used. It's uh, it yeah. could just not come up. It could just be all it could do is just kind of create the world without affecting the story. No, no. I just like I, I would want would not want to take away from the mystery that we're trying to make a big. Point. Well, how about would the presence of genetic manipulation keep you from being able to explore this mystery? Can there be limited stuff? Like, are are they curing genetic diseases and st- and whatnot in the future? And instead of like giving people wolf eyes or whatever? Yeah, I, if it's if it's going to be, it has to be within uh, like a, a relatively close realm to normality. Like, I don't want it to be like. Crazy so, how about shit. genetic therapy is commonplace? So, like Gattaca is, is commonplace. <laughs> yeah, I think Gattaca is a really good anchor point. So yeah, you don't no normal rows, no people, you know, growing feathers and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I want it to be grounded in functionality, I guess you could say. Is that okay? Stuff, yeah. stuff that makes life in space easier, not not necessarily fancy. Not not transhumanism, but like yeah, like yeah. Okay. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Can you can you alter it to say to give us like the Gattaca level? <laughs> I, I, I think that's something we, we all. Fine. Uh, it's a reference point we understand. Genetic therapy is commonplace at the Gattaca level or something. Uh, that seems fair. All right, Jonathan. Um, I'm going to say that uh, mechanical ability is prized above all. Oh, so these guys are they're sciencers or. I mean, it's a generational ship. People that can keep that sucker running are 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 the people in charge. Well, remember, we're doing the history of what happened on Earth between... Oh, I thought we were on the ship. No, 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 we're not on the ship. The ship is... Again, we're, we're going to explore how there's already a human colony there by the time the generational ship gets there. It's the, the transit of the generational ship is the, the period of history we're working within. Okay, I thought we were doing um, that from the perspective of people uh on the ship getting there and finding that that would be that would be if we made this into a role-playing game but it's not a good microscope game you'll see why in a second yeah we're just basically creating a a story we're world building yeah world building and the world is where the world the universe is much better than the, the one little ship although the ship could come up i mean it, it, it there's nothing saying it, it can't it's just there isn't going to be like a necessarily mystery like we're going to invent it as we go Okay, I'll say um, people forgot about the Ozymandias. Okay. People. They also forgot about Dre. I don't I really don't get it. No, no, Dr. Dre? No beats? Beats? <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to pass. So you guys can each do one more thing if you choose, and then that'll be that. Um, 
this be kind of kooky? If what if the what if the Ozymandias has to be flown by a pilot? So there has been like you know one person that that's the plot of uh shoot what's that one movie with uh, dennis quaid <laughs> and 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 the mutants is that lame no i mean it, it, it would make a certain amount of sense that there's a crew that's you know in, in that movie there's a, a crew that, that gets woken up and they they do a couple years of service and then they go back to sleep while they're in transit it's just yeah it, it's a horror movie i forget what the movie's called but yeah uh pandorum pandorum yeah but, I mean, if you want to say that the Ozymandias has to have a, a skeleton crew, that's fine. Awesome. All right, Jonathan, your last pick. Yay or nay? Or, no, I'm, or you can I'm good on the pass. Okay. So this is our entire palette uh, that we just discussed. We are going to definitely have cryosleep. Human colonies already exist in the solar system. Habitable planets are easy to identify from Earth. Cybernetics exist. FTL is hyperspace, but it's nice. No event horizoning. Genetic therapy is commonplace at the Gattaca level, so we don't have any weird Moreau creatures. People forgot about our ship, the Ozymandias. The Ozymandias has a skeleton crew. And for our nays, uh, the reason for leaving is Earth is not used up because uh, Gina didn't like that trope. Uh, Jonathan picked no space aliens. I forget who picked Ozymandias can't break FTL. I think that was Jonathan too. And uh, no FTL communications. So once you leave, you are on the hundreds of years delay (laughs) to get your signals across. Now we are at the first pass. So we are still in the setup phase and at this point we can go in any order and we can create an event or period but when someone says I have an idea and I want to go they go like we do not get to say yay or nay on this like the story is in session Uh, and from now on this is not a collaborative game Um, you can ask questions to get somebody to be more specific about something if you have like a question about it like you know what do you mean by it'll come up if it comes up but uh, yeah if somebody says something and you don't quite get what they're trying to say you can ask them to specify but you can't you're not supposed to suggest things this is not a, a give and take at this point and we are in the phase now where things are, you know, we have to build on each other and what's here, and we just have to roll with it. And again, our history here is going to hopefully mostly focus on how a Earth colony got to a planet that I believe, if I remember my science on Kepler 62F, is something to the tune of like 9,000 light years away, <laughs> and how it beat a ship that was taking the long way around. Hold on, I'll give you a number. 1,200. 1,200. 1,200. So, yes. So, the ship is taking a long way around at 1,200 light years away. Wow. Did the ship take, you know, 1,200 years to get there? Exact timing's not super important in microscope, but it's a long enough time that we can definitely have a good amount of history in there. Yeah. Okay, I'm going. Ah. All right, I'm going to add an event. Or, I'm sorry, I'm going to add a period. Shouldn't you do a focus? No, we're doing setup. Oh. Via a hyperspace fold, the colony of... What's a cute name? I thought of a cute name for the planet, but I can't think of a cute name for the colony. I came up with a cute name, and I forgot it. Oh, man, we're just going to go. We're going to go. The colony of New Portland. Oh, jeez. Established on Kepler. 62F as a farming world. They quickly name the planet Camelot, because I like Arthurian legend. Okay, so that is a period of time that is between our beginning and our end. So yes, so I've named the planet and the colony. Alright, that is my thing. Jonathan, do you have an event or a period of time? What, what kind of event do you want to do? 
the the great uh, I'll call it the great AI purge. Ooh, is this a, a period of time, or is this a... This is a period of time, and it's it's why the Ozymandias was forgotten, because uh, humanity created a great AI to assist them with, with life on Earth, but unfortunately it got out of control, and when it did, um, they had to purge it, and when they purged it, they basically purged the entirety of human history. They basically had to shut the internet down, and that was what everybody had become dependent on in terms of history. No, oh, so paper really was dead, and it's yeah. yeah. Oh wow! It was a digital age, and then their digital assistant went rampant, and when they purged it, they lost everything. It was a fire sale. Cool. Light or dark, sir? Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, mm, it, it, it doesn't totally matter. It's just kind of how you want to think it of it. Is it more light or more dark? It, it, it is. It, it's essentially a dark age. So I guess you go with dark. Okay. And do you want that to happen before or after they made that colony? Uh, before. Before. It has to happen before because the the Ozymandias has to be forgotten. Perfect. I put it there. The, to history. The great artificial intelligence purge, creating a digital dark age. Dark. Gina, you can create a period or an event. And I'll post some screenshots of this up on the Facebook group so you can see kind of what we're doing on Trello. We're supposed to, again, we're supposed to play this with uh, note cards. This is like the note card RPG, but uh, yes, we don't have digital note cards. Well, we do. It's called Trello. <laughs> we should get some advertising bucks from them. Okay. So amid the chaos, a new religion based on human consciousness elevation emerges and the hope for peace emerges. Oh, gosh, that's terrible writing. Basically, the thing about, like, you know, human consciousness evolve into being better human, whatever, that stuff happens. So so the Federation, but as a religion? Yeah. So this is our setup. This is what we had to do to set up. We did the palette, and we did events, and they didn't have a focus. We just kind of did a scatter shot of whatever sounded interesting to us. So now we are playing the first round. And uh, our virtual tabletop, just to make things slightly easier, is I'm going to be the first player. Uh, Gina's going to go second. You're going to go last, Jonathan. So I'm the focus, and I, or I, I'm the lens, I'm sorry, and I get to decide what the focus is. And Jonathan, I liked what you said about the Great Artificial Intelligence Purge, so we're going to go with that. So the focus of the round is the Great Artificial Intelligence Purge. Um, because I am the lens, I get to go first and last, and I get to create two nested events. So I can create a period and an event, or I can create an event and a, uh, a scene. Let's see. I'm going to go with an event. So my event is commonly held as the end of the AI purge wars is the discovery of a trove of books from an old used bookstore in the ruins of old San Diego. Right at you, Jonathan. Light or dark? Uh, that's light because they found knowledge. And then I have to create a RP scene in that, which I can't think of anything particularly good. Greg, what's the guy's last name from uh, Altered Carbon? Kovach. The main character? Yeah. yeah. Kovach. Takeshi Kovach or something? Kovach. I'm going to go there. Uh, okay, and then uh, I make up. A, I made up a character called Greg Kovach. He's a, a historian, and after the uh, AI purge, they had some sort of uh, history council, uh, the Great History Council, to try to figure out what history actually was based off of what they found. And Greg Kovach, who was considered an expert in the field, could not actually figure out what year it was. He uh, he could only get kind of like a range. So they uh, they come up with a new dating system there, which starts then. 
system. So a scene is supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to answer a, qu a question. So the question is going to be, did they ever figure out what year it was? I like that. That, that. that was cute, Jonathan. I have my moments. You have your moments. Okay. So I made it two nested things. I created an event and then I put a, uh, an RP scene, uh, uh, dictated though. Cause I, I, I kind of knew what the question, the answer was cause having ambiguity in what year it was is kind of a weird existential thing that I find it fascinating. <laughs> so, uh, Gina, it is now your turn. You can create a period, an event or a scene. Okay. Does it have to be about the purge or the AI purge has to factor into it somehow. Now it could be something that happens during it that is unrelated. It could be somebody later who does something about it, you know, but you, the, the purge has to factor into it somehow. Okay. And it can't be just about say artificial intelligence. No, it has to be very specifically the purge. Okay. Now, now if, if there's like a new artificial intelligence or something and, and it's the, the purge has to work into it somehow, but that's all okay. the focus is the purge. So from a mechanics perspective, can the, can it be a result of the purge? Yes. Yeah. It just has to factor into it okay. somehow. You know, you can't, you can't do something. It's like, Oh, there's a spaceship and they find an asteroid. That's cool. It's like, that has nothing to do with the purge, but you know, you know, it has yeah, to somehow touch it. it. Okay. 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 Um, unless Gina messes you up. She, she's excellent at that. She screws up my plans all the time. Don't screw this up, Gina. Oh, I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to screw it up bad. Okay. 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 Why are you doing a Joe Pesci impersonation? <laughs> okay. 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 You were serious about yeah. that? What did you call my friend? <laughs> also, Jonathan, if you can't see my RP scene, you have to like click actually on the uh, the commonly held is the end. It's a comment in that. That's how we do it. We're supposed to have cards and turn sideways, and this isn't perfect, but it's what we got because it's free. Because I think Tabletop Simulator has this, but then you have to buy Tabletop Simulator, which I haven't done. No, I mean, if it's free and it works, why not? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm creating a new event. So uh, what you can't see is uh, basically... Gina is playing with history right now, and she, even though she went after several of us, she made an event that happened before everything else. So, and that's kind of the beauty of this game. You, you really get to move around in history. So, uh, read it out loud. Uh, due to the ban on new artificial intelligence technology, a new form of enhanced human intelligence arises involving cybernetic brain implants. These enhanced humans form the backbone of all new technologies for the human civilization. And it is dark. Ooh, fun. Mm -hmm. All right, Jonathan, you're up. When the Ozymandias arrives at the colony, it, it is uh, looked upon in a very negative sense, um, almost like it's a ship full of Satanists or something, because uh, they have a primitive AI on the ship, and, of course, that's been shunned, and so everybody is not trusting at all of the colony ship. Okay, well, the, the colony's abandoned, so who was there to pick them up? Oh, I didn't realize the colony was abandoned. Yeah, remember? The abandoned human colony. <laughs> I'm tired. Yes, that's fair. Um, now, you could make an event up that the Ozymandias at some point was detected and people figured out what it was. Or you can even do, if the human colony has, like, a automatic thing that detects AI and, like, tries to blow it up, or I don't know, something. It has, like, an... Oh, yeah, an, an automated defense system tries to blow it out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that, that would be my fallback plan. Okay. Are they successful? Do they injure the vessel at all? Because you get to decide. Um, yeah, I think that they would definitely injure it. Uh, how badly? Bad enough that they have to go down to the surface and be on the surface. Okay. Hey, would this automated system be a form of AI? <laughs> no. I don't think so, because, I mean, if they're 
having gone through the purge, I'd, I'd figure that like AI would just be a sin at that point. It's it, do the Mass Effect. It's not an artificial intelligence. It's a virtual intelligence, and somehow that's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, light or dark, Jonathan? I, I'd say I'd say that in, in terms of like detail, I think that the AI on the ship would automatically reach out to the to the colony when it detected some common, you know, yeah. like some kind of common ancient search string or something and and that's what triggers the the whole thing okay is it light or dark that they get shot down uh definitely dark definitely dark a lot of things end up being dark dark's always a little bit more interesting what i try to do to make things interesting is try to insert something light into a dark event or era i'd really like to do an rp scene for this but i can't think of one because i get to create because i I, it's the end of the turn and i get to go again because it's my round uh, I get to create another nested thing. So, but I, I'd love to do an RP scene, but I can't think of one about this, which is unfortunate. But whatever, we will just have to describe that later. All right. So I'm adding another period. I'm placing it between the founding of New Portland and the Ozymandias arriving. Uh, a lost computer core is discovered on the colony of Anchorhead, and before anybody can stop it, the AI wars begin again. Related to the purge, still. Um, and then I'll create an event in that. Ooh, could that be the end of the colony? Well, we could get there. That, that's certainly my intention, but we'll see how it, uh, how that shapes up. Um, but I, I'm not supposed to say that out loud. Um, and then I got to make an event as part of that. Um, so you're supposed to do two things again at the end of your turn? Yeah, whoever whoever is the uh, we don't do that because we because uh, then you take too many turns um, when we're playing at two players. But yeah, this is what, how it's supposed to work, mm-hmm. and that's why they say everybody should be the the focus or the lens once because then everybody can make a focus and kind of do this once. Okay. So my my last bit is the event is the starship Velt detects the Ozymandias and it's onboard AI, but they believe it's an AI controlled scout and let it pass by. So people were kind of aware of it, but they didn't know what it was, because I think that's cool and creepy. And that is going to be a dark event. All right, Jonathan, so that is the end of the round. Yeah. Okay, so we have one last thing to do. Typically, the way play would progress is I would pass the lens over to Gina. However, um, we have one more thing to do. We have to do a legacy. And so what you do is you, because you're at the virtual tabletop, the player to my right, you get to pick something that we talked about during this that doesn't necessarily have to be the great AI purge. It could be one of the ships. It could be it could be anything. It just has to be something that came up during this round. And you create that as a legacy. And you can create an event or a dictated scene based off of that legacy. Um, and then you just sort of keep that legacy in front of you. So is there something in this round that sort of tickled your fancy? Yeah, I'm kind of curious to know more about the um, discovery of the Trova books. Okay. That's your legacy, and now you can create an event or a dictated scene. And again, a dictated scene is basically you create some characters and uh, you you answer a question, basically. So, so I'm sorry, I'm trying to do what now? You have you have to create something now. Pretend pretend your focus right now is the Trova books from Old San Diego. Mm-hmm. And you have to create an. You can't create a period. You can only create an event or a scene. Okay. What if they are found uh, during a um, erosion reclamation process, like the, the the natural erosion of the of the the coastline um, needs to be reversed every so often to to keep the city around because otherwise it would be yeah. all underwater. And um, that's that's how they find this this trove of books. Okay. 
So that sounds a little bit like a scene based off of what we got. So is there a character who, does, who come up with a character who discovers it? Um, just some underwater welder guy, I guess. Just like some guy that's that's down beneath the ocean and doing his thing. And uh, he inadvertently um, opens up an entire, like, almost like what seems like a cavern, but it ends up being um, just sealed up, uh, is sealed up old portions of the city that had been built up. Okay. Is there a question that needs answering in that? Like maybe, like what kind of bookstore it was or? Uh, yeah, yeah, because I think that's going to make a, a major impact onto a... Uh, we do need to know what kind of bookstore it was because we need to understand the data that they're pulling from. Okay. And you got to, basically, you have to answer that question. So what kind of bookstore was it? I think it'll just be a good old fiction bookstore making the whole, like, the, the whole trove kind of suspect to the to the viewer. Cool. Okay. So I have a question. What sort of bookstore was in old San Diego? And I created a character named Lincoln Edwards because you couldn't think of a name because you're tired. And uh, that he found the trove, but the books are all fiction books, thus making the history contained within suspect. So that's the question that got answered. So now you keep it, and the way legacies work is uh, Gina would be the next player, and then I uh, would have the next legacy move. And so I could pick whatever I wanted, but I could use your legacy. Like, uh, if I liked your bookstore for my legacy move, I could borrow your legacy. And so as we play, eventually we'll have three legacies up, and we don't necessarily have to use our own. We can use other people's, but since you went first, you obviously only have one to choose from. Yeah. So, and then that's it. Like, that's the end of one round of this game. So, I mean, we have a little bit of a history here, you know, of the future. You created something whole hog out of nothing, which was this artificial intelligence uh, and these these wars and this dark age. And uh, we, we moved around a little bit in history. And that's kind of the beauty of this game, that things that, you know, pop into existence, you know, early in the game can come back later, but earlier in history. And it's, it's really weird. And, and you basically create this, you know, convoluted timeline that's personalized to you and your group. That's really neat. I, I like that a lot. And it's a really interesting interesting tool for for everybody getting involved in, in manufacturing a world which is so often the the biggest problem with with world building it's it, it generally is dictated by one person i mean for me this is great too because like i've had this this story idea in my head forever I, I mean forever you know and i just couldn't figure out how to you know and like artificial intelligence making a dark age i wouldn't have come up with that <laughs> it's a cool idea i like it you know but, that, but that's that's the fun we we have to sort of work around each other's stuff so uh, I got a few questions to sort of round us out on this. And because you're the new player here, Jonathan, I'm going to ask them of you. So uh, you kind of already said it, but yeah, did, did anything else about this work for you besides the history portion or is that, is that it in a nutshell? Uh, it's not just the history portion. It's the, the entire collaborative nature. Like that, that, that is very exciting to me. And it's also a really quick way to, um, to really flesh out a, a, a world and universe. It's uh, it, very efficient. Yeah, yeah. But everybody everybody has a ownership, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. And I like how, you know, there, there's no, after the palette, there's no talking. Like if somebody throws a monkey wrench and stuff you're, you're trying to set up, oh, well, you know, you just got to like work with it. And, and it, it kind of makes history a little bit more interesting and layered in a weird way um, if you're going to use it later or not, because you can just do it for the fun of it too, which we certainly have. We played the silly games about uh, the uh, the internet and fairies. <laughs> right, Gina? Mm-hmm. 
All right, so uh, did anything not work for you or was anything confusing? I, I wish we could have done a role-playing scene, but in all the games I listen to, it usually takes a couple of rounds to get into that because that's when you have enough characters around that you need you can start doing stuff. So I'm not shocked it didn't happen. But anyway, anything didn't work for you, Jonathan? Uh, no, there wasn't anything that didn't work. It was um, it, some of the concepts at work are a little uh, odd to kind of wrap your head around at first. And then once you do, it all, it, you know, it all makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's that uh, the, the initial learning curve can be a little steep. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of hard to have it explained to you. It's easier when you see it flowing. It's also really fun when yeah. you see a finished product and and you realize just how, like in the the first game Gina and I played with, uh, I at the beginning during the setup I casually mentioned like a city. I came up with it randomly. Actually, I think Gina came up with the name because she comes up with good names. <laughs> and then, but that city like really factored into things later in in ways I you know like I brought it back up again as as like the the base of the big bad, which was not my intention at all. Uh, but yeah, it was it's cool like that. I have one final question for for all of us. Um, or I have two final questions for all of us. Uh, I was going to just talk about like any potential uses for microscope you could see. I've got I I've certainly used this to make up a DD setting with Gina. We were doing that, and now it looks like we might not play it, but oh well. <laughs> um, I mentioned it earlier. We have a lot of people here who make board games for a living. This might be an interesting way to like come up with fluff for your board game if it matters, you know? Be- I, I had actually been thinking the exact same thing. I'm really glad that you said that because I think for. I mean, anything that in- involves fluff, whether it's board games or writing a script or, or writing a book, it's it's a good, balanced way to uh, to approach both world building and storytelling. Like, uh, for the D&D game I wanted to run, I basically wanted to use the keep rules from Strongholds and Followers, so I had this kind of strong vision of the game I wanted to run, which was it, it basically was set in a land where there was, like, a big bad, but the big bad had died not all that long ago, and so people were starting to resettle his lands, and so I sort of explained that vision to Gina, and I said, so this is, this is the end result. Like, I want there to be a D&D game in a world kind of like this, and that was kind of our end point in our history and then we made up a beginning and then we sort of just played the game in the middle and so if you have like a clear established thing like if you have a set of rules that are for like a vaguely space game or a fantasy game or whatever as long as you all sort of agree that this game has to be the end result <laughs> of whatever happens and that's like one of the rules in your palette you know like in our palette the, the first rule I put down was this is a D&D world yeah it could be a way that you guys can just sort of like hash out a, a history for whatever you're doing and not have to stress about it and you know it doesn't really matter if not all of you are air quotes like not creative because you everybody sort of builds on each other which i think is fun well they, 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 there's a natural rhythm to um group thinking where somebody will say something and then other people will riff off of it and that this really capitalizes from that what i was thinking was that would be helpful um even if not in a game setting is if you are a writer and you want to write fantasy um especially fantasy sci-fi that kind of stuff where you need to build a world this can be helpful because um I, I, in my day, I've read a lot of bad fantasy and sci-fi, and people love coming up with a world, but the world has no history, and so the people you know that exist within that world, and like nobody behaves normally because it's a world where, like you know, say it's a world with some sort of magic. It's like that magic has always existed. No one knows, how, you know, it doesn't tell you explain how it existed or how it's changed over time. It just is, and when you take something like say. Lord of the Rings or, or, or George R. R. Martin, where they, they went to the trouble of creating a history and then 
all the characters reference a shared history, which you know just makes the world richer. But it also um, gives you kind of a basis for how those characters, uh, you know, behave, interact, and whatnot. Um, that can make the story so much richer. And so, if anyone's out there trying to, you know, create, you know, write. Of a, a, you know a novel out there, and you're not quite sure if your world is rich enough, or maybe I mean just as kind of as, a, as an exercise, like you know, find somebody who you, you you trust or is a good writer, and go through this with your world and see what happens, and and that can give you just history that you don't all have to come up on your own. And it'll be more interesting and layered because there are pieces in it that aren't going to be you, so, and you still have to like deal with it. Which you know, history is like that. Sometimes there's random stuff that comes up that just is a weird coincidence or whatever, and, and you just sort of have to roll with it. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to like keep it all, obviously, if you're just writing a book, but it can give you a jumping-off point, especially because there could be something interesting there that you didn't even know existed. Uh, one last thing, uh, I was on the uh, the Microscope Reddit, and somebody uh, I, I should have wrote down his username. I'll have a link for this in the show notes. Uh, he created a variant of this uh, as an epilogue for D&D campaigns. That was really cool. <laughs> um, and so basically what you do is after, you know, after you get done with Curse of Strahd or whatever and you're retiring your characters, you just run a game of Microscope where you just come up with what happens to all of your characters up to the point of their death and, and all the NPCs and just stuff that happened around your characters. You, you get a weird sense of closure by you know running a couple rounds of this where everybody sees kind of what happened to the world after the fact. And I, I don't know, I thought that was a really interesting storytelling device too. And and the, the rules you made up for it were really good because you, you, the setup's a lot more involved because you, know, you do a round of setup using NPCs and locations from the campaign and then yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit more involved but I, I I really dug it. I thought it was pretty cool. Okay. And uh, Jonathan, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about Microscope? Anything left to say? Or are you... I mean, the only thing that I think is, is left to say, that I, uh, not just that it's a great tool, but that it's a fantastic idea for any kind of group game because it gives everybody a, a piece of ownership in that world, which means they're going to be that much more invested in their character, the world, and, and more importantly, the game. I agree. That's uh, Microscope. You can find it and the companion book, Microscope Explorer, on Indie Press Revolution, Lame Mage Productions, or in your FLGS if they stock stuff from IPR. Uh, but it's a little niche, so make sure you call ahead. I think that close it out, Jonathan. Well, Robert, that means that we are once again at the end of yet another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. As always, join us on all of our digital domains and come and, and join the conversation. Tell us what you think about Microscope or if you've used it uh, or anything else we've talked about in the show today. Which means, Robert, there's only one thing left to discuss, and that is, do you have any final thoughts? Um, yes. Uh, if you w are interested in this, Gene and I have experimented with Trello enough that I think we could run a game off the Facebook group, maybe? We might have to finally put a use to the Forgot My Dice Discord server I made ages ago. Um, or maybe not. But yeah, if you want to give it a go, yeah, just let me know. I'll, I'll put a thread up. Could I go on a rant about my thing about why I hate the trope of the uh, used up earth? Can you do it in 30 seconds or less? Okay, okay, it doesn't make sense. Why on earth would you go and establish a planet on freaking Mars, where which has, it's like, if you, if the Earth has really run out of resources to the point that Mars has freaking more resources than Earth, then we'd be like all dead. It's like, Mars has no atmosphere. It has no water. It has no arable land. Like, it, like it'd be far more effective for, to create a colony on Antarctica or like the Mariana Trench or something rather than Rapid. Up, Jace. 
doesn't make sense. Earth can never get used up to the point that we would leave. The music's playing. The music's playing. The music's playing. I mean, to counter that point, Mars has nothing but virgin, uh, rare earth metals and things like that. I mean, it's also covered in rust, which is extremely caustic and dangerous. I mean, whatever new planet they go to would have to have, like, you know, oxygen and water. And that's why I put that habitable planets are easy to discover, so it wasn't a crapshoot when they got there. Hmm. Safe bet. Thought of that. Bam! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Counterpunched. <laughs> Combo breaker. Play that, Jonathan. Be excellent to one another and party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. Party on. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. 